Hi, I'm Isaac, lead pastor of New Hope Foursquare Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Our Sunday services are at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. Find out more at www.inewhope.org. Well, I'm super happy to be here speaking to you today. And this message that God put in my heart for you, and it's really a message for me too. Um, and it's something I feel like he's been teaching me for 25 years. So <laughs> I'm doing, I, I'm, maybe I'm catching it. Um, and now I'm excited to share it with you. Um, so we're looking at the story of Elizabeth today. And maybe you're thinking, I don't even know who's Elizabeth. Uh, that, that <laughs> yes, some of you got Elizabeth, right? Who is Elizabeth? And uh, maybe you breeze right by her or maybe she's your favorite story. And you've read that story a hundred times. Um, But today, I believe God has something new for each of us, Uh, whether it's your first time or a hundred times, that he wants to show us a little uh, something new. And uh, so today, as we look at that story, I want to set a filter, you know, kind of like an Instagram filter, right? It's just how we're going to, it's still the same picture, but we're going to look at it just a tiny bit differently. And really, the only filter for God's word is God's word. So we're going to look at it through a Psalms 37 filter. Um, And so we're going to start in Psalms 37. Um, And so Psalms 37 says, Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. And then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desire. So let's break that down a little bit. That first part, don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they, they soon fade away. <laughs> if your grass is like mine, it really never existed. <laughs> like spring flowers, right? They die, they wither. And, and I think the intent of that is to say, don't worry about other people. What they're doing, they're doing other stuff. They're doing stuff you're not doing. Y'all ever have that happen? Yeah. You know, you scroll to Facebook, everyone's in Hawaii on vacation. Everybody's doing what I'm not doing, right? Don't worry about that. They may look happy, but it won't last. They won't stay in Hawaii forever, right? It's, our world is caught in a cycle. Bloom and wither. Bloom and wither. Bloom and wither. Success and failure. Vacation and not vacation, right? We are in a cycle and it, it always ends. So don't worry about other people. Don't worry about what's going on with them. Don't feel like everybody's here and I'm here. This, you're on a journey with God. They're in a cycle of bloom and wither, okay? Don't worry about them. Next, trust in the Lord and do good. And then you will live safely in the land and prosper. There's some other translations, this is a new living, that give us a little more definition of the live long and prosper thing, you know. Um, They say, dwell in the land. Uh, They say, befriend faithfulness. I like that one. Cultivate faithfulness. Keep your integrity. Uphold the truth. Practice being faithful. So you get that idea? Trust the Lord. Do good. Live safely and prosper. Practice Faithfulness, cultivate faithfulness in your life. The next one, take delight in the Lord and he will give you 
your heart's desires. And I love the way that's worded in this translation. He will give you your heart's desires. He will give you your heart's desires. He will give them to you. I want you to hear that. Because we read that and we think, sweet, right? If I just do this, I live in the land and this, and I do good, and I trust the Lord, and I do this and this and this, I get what I want, right? Do you see that up there? Take delight, he will give you, I get what I want. But I don't think that's what the Lord intended with that. I don't think that's what he was trying to say. I think it'd be better said, he will put desires in your heart. He will give you your heart's desires. And we see this, Paul parallels this concept in Philippians 2.13. He says, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You see that, how God's word filters God's word, right? It, it shapes how we read it, that he's at work giving you desires and power to do what pleases him, which is ultimately what pleases us, right? He knows what lasts. He knows what works. So the desires of our heart come from God. He puts them there. Can we agree on that? Okay. And that's the the filter that we want to look at the story of Elizabeth with today, that God puts desires in your heart filter. We should add that to Instagram, right? We'll add that filter. So let's take a look at the story of Elizabeth through that one. I'm going to drink something. Great. Talking does make your mouth dry. It's a thing. All right. So Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. They were careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. It's pretty matter of fact, isn't it? They were unable to conceive, but they were both good, obedient people. They hadn't done anything wrong. This wasn't about, it wasn't a punishment, right? They were, they were doing what's right. And you get the idea that since they were married and they were very old, that they had tried for many years. They had done the things that make children, and they didn't have any children, right? <laughs> so it was like, it was tested. It was proven, you know? And this, this acceptance is there. They were old. It didn't work. They were unable. Done. Right? Dada, yada, yada, right? It's, it's kind of this acceptance you feel in that. It's just very matter of fact. And you get the idea that they had accepted their situation. They were dwelling. They were practicing faithfulness. They were cultivating faithfulness. They were delighting in the Lord, right? They're doing all the stuff. They're doing everything right. They weren't complaining and anxious. They didn't read. They were always talking about how they didn't have what they wanted, right? It's not there. They had, as we women learned a couple weeks ago, they had detached from their circumstances. Their life wasn't all about that. They were busy serving the Lord, delighting in him, content. So one day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple. For his order was on duty that week. I got it to stop there and say, I love it. He was doing duties. Uh, Like, that's us, right? He was serving in the church. That's what he was doing. And so he was just like, oh, it's my time on the Kismin rotation. You know, I'm here. That's where he was, right? He was like us. He showed up to do his duty. And as was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot. So it wasn't even like, 
oh, Zechariah shall serve on the third week. You know, it was just like, roll the dice, you know, shuffle the schedule and see who comes up, right? So here he is, you know, by accident, kind of, by lot, by chance, just because he was on the serving schedule, right? And uh, so he's chosen to enter the sanctuary and burn the incense. And while it's burning, a great crowd stands outside praying. So Zechariah was actually the only dude allowed in. Everybody else is outside, and they're praying. And what are they praying for? They're praying for change. They are in trouble. They need a savior. They were promised something long ago. And they're like, we are being taxed like crazy. We are being killed, and we need help. They're praying to God to save them. So all that, they're outside, the whole crew is praying, and Zechariah goes in. And while he was in there, in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, as all angels do, don't be afraid, Zechariah. You know, like that's always their first line, whether they're in a tomb or sanctuary, it doesn't matter. Don't be afraid, okay? God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. And he goes on to describe John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks, for he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will cause those who are, ooh, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Whoa! This guy is, like, he's not only going to have a baby when he's old, but this guy is incredible. He's a powerhouse. The promises spoken over John are just like, whoa, right? He's going to do what's not been done before. Incredible. Shocking. But there's more, right? So Zachariah says to the angel, I mean, how can I be sure, right? I'm old, and my wife is also well along in years. Didn't he do a good job there? And my wife is also, I like that, well along. How can I be sure, angel? And then the angel, like he's he's out of don't be afraid mode at this point. And he's like, I am Gabriel, you know? Get it? This is real. I stand in the presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. Gabriel said, come on, man, believe. But now, since you don't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Boom. Believe it or don't believe it, it's going to happen. Like just, he just laid it out, right? Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zachariah to come out of the sanctuary. Old guy walks into the church, we're waiting on him, he doesn't come out. 
You know what, they're, they're concerned. They're like, is he dead? Did he fall and he can't get up? What's happening in there? And uh, they're wondering what's taking so long. And when he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. And then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. I just couldn't help but think, what gestures indicate that you saw a vision in the sanctuary? So imagine he walks out, you know, does he do like an angel kind of thing? He spoke, got mad and yelled at me. You know, what kind of gestures, you know? talk, you know, but anyway, somehow he played a good enough charades game to get them to know that he had a vision, you know, and that's why he couldn't talk. So Zachariah gets the down low, right? He gets the info and then he gets shut down or shut up, depending on what generation you're from. They're the same. Um, And uh, he's been told by an angel, it's a pretty sure thing, right? But then he can't speak. Like, I'm not even sure what to say about that. It's like this crazy set of circumstances happening. So, you know, we're just going to leave Zachariah. We're just going to leave him hanging there outside the temple, gesturing. I don't know when he was doing the Macarena or whatever. We're just going to leave him there and keep going with the story, okay? Because here's where it gets really interesting is with Elizabeth. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. It happened, right? What the angel said happened. Zachariah's unbelief didn't stop it from happening. It happened. It came to pass. And at the same time as Elizabeth finds out she's pregnant. The same time, Mary finds out she's pregnant. She's going to have a child. Now, Mary isn't old. She's very young. She isn't married yet. Elizabeth is married and old. Mary's a virgin. Elizabeth has been doing this for years. Okay? <laughs> These are very opposite situations, and yet God is doing the same thing. Miraculous birth, miraculous life, desires put in hearts coming to pass, desires that Mary never even thought about coming to pass. God's working these two things, opposite yet similar in two different people at the same time. And as I read that, I couldn't help but thinking of a story in my own life where God did that exact thing. Working two things at once. So, because I'm up here, I'm going to share my story. <laughs> when, it's, when you're up here, you can share your story of how God did two things at one time. Um, but this is my story. So, uh, when I was 17, I had a vision Kind of like Zachariah, only I wasn't so freaked. (laughs) But I saw the face of this little brown boy. And it was like those pictures in the 80s where like, it was like a face, but then the edges blurred. 
you know? And so it was I, it just kind of this blurry face, blurry edges, but it was brown and it was a boy and I knew that. I didn't recognize the face. I can't tell you what kind of brown that little boy was. Was he black or Mexican or Indian or Pacific Islander? I had no idea. Um, and I didn't try to figure it out. I wasn't really focused on that. I just knew there was this little brown face. I knew it was a boy. And I knew what it meant to me. And what God spoke to me was that that was my little brown boy. That I was going to adopt a little brown boy. And so uh, I went to Bible college to be a youth pastor out in California. And that's where I met my husband, Barry, who's not brown. So I knew that that was not how I was going to get a brown boy. (laughs) So uh, God spoke to me to marry him. Uh, We have a kind of a cool story. Maybe I'll tell that another day, but God spoke to me. That's the one. And uh, I didn't think I was ready. Me and God argued about it, but ended up that yes, he was the one. And um, when he asked me to marry him, I said, well, okay, you know, yeah, God's telling me to do that, so yes. And, um, but, I'm going to adopt a little brown boy. And <laughs> Barry, who's very funny, he says, well, can we adopt a black boy and call him Black Barry? <laughs> right? And I was like, you know, well, whatever, you know, that was good enough for me. He was on board and uh, making jokes as usual. And so uh, we, that was, we got hitched in 1993 in Southern California. And over the next few years, God gave us three kids and zero opportunities to adopt. And we were both, by the way, from two kid families. So having three kids, we felt like country folk. You know, we were like, we're going to have to like buy a farm and I don't know, like we felt so out of the norm uh, and, and to think of having more than three kids, we're like, that was, that's just weird, you know, so we were adjusting and, and adoption just never presented itself. It just never came up. Um, and in fact, I, I hadn't thought of that vision for years. I just packed it away and life was happening and Um, We lived in Virginia, Colorado, South Dakota, and then in 2006, so I don't know, we'd been married, I don't know, a long time at that point, what's 93, 2006? Um, So we had a choice to make. We were at this cool point in life where we was like, where should we live? Like, we could go anywhere, and we could do anything, and so we started praying because we figured we should ask God <laughs> if we could go anywhere and do anything. Um, uh, where would he want us to go? What would he want us to do? And, and one day Barry said, well, we could, we could move back to Salem. That's where I'm from. And we could live near my family for a while. That'd be kind of cool. And, and we had been separated from his family for long enough that I thought, okay, that, that might be cool. And um, yeah, there's a story there too. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I thought, well, you know, I had been here to visit. I thought it's a, it's the nicest place as any, you know? So we came on a trip and to kind of check out the area and look at where we might want to settle. And while we were here on that trip, we were here for a week and Barry said, hey, let's go to this church. Uh, I went there when I was in high school. 
And it was a good church then. And um, so we came here to New Hope. And I stood in that service that morning. It was so crazy. And I'm not a crier. I mean, if you've known me all 12 years I've been here, you maybe, I don't never see me cry. I'm not a crier. And uh, we came to that service and we were just worshiping. And I was just weeping. I was like ugly cry and snot and finding the tissues under the seat. And I was a mess. And it came to greeting time, you know, after the worship, and there I am, it's not tears and makeup. And this woman comes, because you know how you can see each other, right, across up front here? So this woman comes from way over on this side to me during the greeting time, and she just gets in front of me, and she just hugs me. And she just held me for, like, the whole greeting time, which was longer than 90 seconds back then. And, and she said, I'm so glad you're here. You're in the right place. And I was like, whoa. And it just felt like home to us. So we went back to South Dakota. We sold our house. We moved to Silverton in 2007. And little did we know in all that time that in 1996, in Salem, Oregon, a little brown boy was born. Now, at this point, we moved here. We'd been youth pastoring for 15 years, and we needed a break. <laughs> we were tired. We thought we were too old um, at that point. <laughs> and so we were just going we were gonna do like Elizabeth and Zachariah, right? We were just going to dwell and practice faithfulness. Uh, we were going to be the best church people ever. We were just going to come and serve, and we were going to be here every week, and we were just going to do the, we were going to be the best, right? And we had been here about a year and a half, and the youth pastor left. And, um, of course, the obvious choice was to ask Barry. Hey, Barry, you know, you used to be a youth pastor. We've been here a year and a half, so he was doing a totally different thing, and we were resting. And... Um, he was like, nope, <laughs> I, no, uh, I don't want to do that. You see, they asked him because all those years, I had just ridden his coattails. I, remember I said I went to Bible college to be a youth pastor? Um, but I let him carry the title and the responsibility, and I just did the fun stuff, you know? <laughs> Showed up when I wanted to, and planned activities, and led worship, and you know, I was just having fun, and raising kids, and... So they asked him, and he said no. And for about two weeks, I just repeated this line. It was like, come on, babe. Come on, babe. Don't you miss it? Is it? I was so fun, and we did so many fun things. And Don't you miss it? Don't you miss being around the kids? And he was like, no, I don't. And uh, so I whined and whined, come on, babe. And he finally said, you know what? If you want to do it so bad, you should do it. And I was like, no, I'm just a fun one. <laughs> I just ride the coattails, right? I don't take the responsibility. I don't preach every week or anything like that. And so um, he was like, babe, you can totally do this. And I said, okay. So I came in. We talked to the pastor. We're like, he doesn't want to do it, but I do. And uh, I'll never forget that day. Dailene home is just she just rose to like stardom in my mind. She said, oh, well, that's a no-brainer. 
It wasn't a no-brainer for me. It was a huge step of faith, but to her it was like, eh, obvious. And I just loved that. It was the encouragement that I needed at that moment. To, oh, maybe I can do this. You know, Maybe it's a no-brainer to everyone else. So in 2009, I started youth pastoring at New Hope. And then I got pregnant again with our fourth, Grayson. And uh, I remember thinking at that time, like, I thought I was going to adopt. Um, but I just couldn't seem to stop having babies. <laughs> no matter how many medical procedures he had, <laughs> we still had a Grayson. And um, so we were like, well, we know this is God's plan and not ours. And we're good with that. Um, but again, it kind, of, it kind of packed that dream into the back, you know, that, that vision that so long ago that I thought would happen and it just hadn't happened yet. So I'm youth pastoring. And a couple years later, remember that little brown boy born in Salem, Oregon, his friend, he was still living in Salem, and his friend invited him to New Hope. And over the next four years, that best friend and his faithful mom, she every week would drive a carload of kids to youth group, and he was in that car. And she would stay late and go to baseball practice and bring him. I mean, she would go to any extent to get him here. For four years, she did that. She invited him to everything, to youth, to church, to retreats, to camps. Uh, and she, she would fund it. Um, she would partner up. She'd get Dan Lisi. You know, Dan is always on board to sponsor kids to go anywhere, you know. And so she'd get Dan, and they'd work together, and they'd get, they'd get sponsorship for him. And so he and his sister, they came to everything. They went to, to everything with us. And I knew him. And he, I thought, I thought, he's a great kid. Um, but he and his sister stayed very distant. And so you never really got to know them. And uh, always had a sense that things were hard for them. And um, so at a retreat in 2014, uh, we were just having this time where we had been learning about love and we were having this time of just sharing thankfulness. And he stands up, this kid that I kind of knew and I thought was a neat kid, you know, and he stands up in front of everybody and he thanks me for fulfilling the role of a mom in his life. And I was like, I did that? Really? Like all I did was show up. I didn't realize that God was doing all of that at the same time. I just kept showing up. About that time, things started to fall apart in their home. And um, I knew that they had been struggling, but it got, it just kind of crescendoed. And things got kind of crazy. And I could sense that things were off, you know. And so one day, I just asked Dexter if he needed to talk. And he said, yeah. And so I... Uh, we met at Bush Park to take a walk and talk. And if you have a teenage boy in your life, this is like the golden ticket. Move with them in nature. And they just, everything comes out. It's like, I don't know, it's like turn, you turn the crank. And it just, it's just a great moment. If you can't move with them in nature, trap them in a car. It does the same thing, right? So, <laughs> so we walked and talked. And as we talked, he shared about 
how he was just feeling exhausted. And he just needed the chaos to stop so he could rest. And about that time, we came to a bench. And so we sat down on the bench, and he leaned his head on my my shoulder and knocked out, just completely fell asleep. And so I, I sat there like as still as I could possibly sit. I didn't want to wake him up. I knew he needed the rest. And so as I sat there, I just started praying blessings over him. I was just praying all kinds of good things and like casting the devil out with this hand, holding very still on this side, you know. And the Lord spoke to me so clear. It was like shocking almost. These words, mother, this is your son. And as I heard them, I remembered those were the words of Jesus. As he's Going to the cross, he says to his mother about John, mother, this is your son. Son, this is your mother. And I was like, God, what are you doing here? I had no idea. I had no idea this, this, this boy was not a tiny boy. He was 17 at the time. I'm like, God, what are you doing? So I, I kind of did like Mary did. I just kind of treasured it up in my heart. And I just went on. I didn't say anything because that'd be weird. Um, and... A few months later, uh, he said, hey, could I come and stay with you for a little bit? And uh, sure. So he came and slept on our couch and just stayed with us. And, and then it became clear that he was not going to be able to go back home. And so we cleared out a room and um, he started, he just was staying with us kind of ongoing and, and it was up in the air. And I, I remember thinking to myself, don't get attached. Don't get attached, right? That's going to hurt. You know, you don't know what's going to happen. And those little seeds of doubt came in. But I just kept going, all right? I just, okay, Lord, whatever you're going to do. So he stayed with us for a couple months, and that Christmas, he asked Barry and I to adopt him, officially. He was an adult, but he wanted a new name. He wanted our name. And it didn't hit me until a while later. Oh, this is my little brown boy. Wow, that was different than I thought, right? And God's way is so much different than we think. And yet it's always just exactly the fulfillment of what he put in our hearts. So maybe God is doing that in your life too. Maybe you're here and this is going on. And over here, something else is going on. Maybe it's opposite and yet similar, like Mary and Elizabeth. Maybe as you're engaged in carrying the kingdom of God on this earth, of being faithful and practicing that faithfulness and showing up and doing your duties, God is at work. And maybe he's preparing a group of people, a country, a neighbor, an old person, a young person, but he's at work in you and also everywhere else. He's bringing his kingdom, and he's planted it in us, in our hearts. He's put his desires in us. We 
are pregnant. We have something growing in us, and we should be expecting. We should be expecting. So what are the desires of your heart? What are the things that God has planted there? Maybe you are silenced by unbelief, like Zachariah over here. We left him there. Silenced. Maybe it just seems like so unbelievable. I mean, so totally inconceivable, so far-fetched that you've never even spoken of that to anyone. I had told one person, Barry, that was it, because he was signing on. (laughs) But maybe you've been silenced for a long time with just that desire in your heart, living in the back corner. And you haven't even thought about it. Maybe since you were a kid. Maybe you thought, I want to be a missionary. Or I want to, I don't know, adopt a baby. I don't know. I don't know what God put in your heart. But a long time ago, it seemed doable. And today, it doesn't seem doable. It just seems hidden, back in the corner, forgotten, silenced. And maybe you're getting older. You know, Jesus was 30, by the way, when he started his ministry. Some of you are like 20, and you're like, I'm so old. Life is passing me by. No. Remember, you're right where you should be. You're on God's plan for you, not everybody else's plan. Don't worry about them. Don't worry about them. Or maybe you really, really are old. (laughs) Maybe you're just super old. Uh, You know, that's possible, too. Uh, But either way, you've kind of come to a point of acceptance, like, all right, it's just not going to happen. We tried. It's not going to happen. And so you're just practicing faithfulness, right? You're just careful to obey the Lord's commandments, content, delighting in the Lord. You're being the best church people that ever lived. Just following the traditions. And maybe even sometimes they seem a little religious. Thing. Or maybe you feel like, I've lived a good life, you know, and that's probably all there is. I'm super old. That's never all there is. Never. Where you are now, wherever it is, it's never all God has for you. It's never all there is. Because God is eternal, right? He doesn't go, oh, you've reached the age of old and you're done. Good. Yeah, so good. No. It's never all there is. He has more for you. He has put something in you and it is growing. It's moving. And you're like, I don't know what is indigestion or what's happening, right? But something is moving inside of you. Something is in there. And God will give you your desires. You know, pregnancy seems like surreal, right? Especially the first time you're like, this stuff happening, I don't, but I can't see it. And our lives are ruled by the symptoms, like we're uncomfortable, we're swollen, emotional, craving weird stuff. Sounds like our world, right? Craving weird stuff, uncomfortable, tired, waddling around, big as a house, you know. It seems like it's going to last forever, like it's always going to be this way. It's always going to be uncomfortable. 
We're never going to see what's really going on. Like a little seed under the dirt. You have to just trust. It's going to break through. But when you're a kid, man, you plant that, you think it's forever. But something's happening. And maybe you feel that movement in your life. You feel things aligning or you feel like things are disaligning, but something is going on. And that, that's just an indication of something new coming. And maybe you feel disgraced like Elizabeth. You remember she said, God has taken away my disgrace. Disgrace, a loss of grace, favor, and honor, a source of shame. She probably felt like it was her fault. She probably thought of things she did wrong or didn't eat enough cheese or something, right? She was just something. I, I must have done something. It must be on me. I'm disgraced. And we have done things. We have lost our reputations. We have lost respect. We have broken relationships. We have sinned and we keep sinning. We have been unfaithful. We are diseased. We are empty, broken, abused, alone. We are disgraced. We think we've lost grace and favor and honor and we feel shame. Shame. A painful emotion caused by consciousness of guilt or shortcoming or impropriety. We think we're just not good enough. We've messed it up. But when God gives you the desire that he put in your heart, your disgrace is taken away. And that's what it looks like when the kingdom of heaven comes to earth. Long time disgrace removed. Long time pain gone. Long time shame. Long time fear. Long time depression, disease, illness, anxiety gone. Removed. How good the Lord has been. That's what He does. And he reminds us that we have grace and we have favor and we have honor. We've always had it. We just sometimes believe that we don't and we feel disgraced. And I was impressed this morning that there's maybe one more category of person and maybe you just never wanted anything. You just don't feel like God's put a desire for anything in your heart. You feel kind of numb and pointless. I felt specifically today that God wanted to speak that, that he wants to put his desires in your heart. It's not something you have to drum up or I I want to want this. No, he'll put it there. He's the remover of numb. He's a remover of pointless. He gives purpose. And God wants to deposit his purposes, his desires in us and the power to do them. And I want to just take a minute with our worship team. They're going to lead us in a song. And as we, as we sing that together, you listen to that and just feel that. Would you just let the Lord speak to you? I'm going to be doing the same thing because I'm not too old. It's yeah. not over. Right? God has something to put inside of us 
So wherever you find yourself in the story, 